My verse is Proverbs 21.3. The reason why I pick that is I really try my hardest to live my life based on what scripture says is right. Instead of sacrificing, instead of choosing what I think is right, it's very important that we do what scripture says. My verse is Joshua 1.9 and I chose this verse because I am reminded that God is with me wherever I go. My verse is Isaiah 43, 2 and 3. I selected this verse because there have been times in my life when I have felt overwhelmed with the rivers, with the fire, and through all of those experiences, the promise that God is walking me through it is what has held me together. I chose Psalms 23, 1. The Lord is my shepherd, and I shall not want. So he's our shepherd, the shepherd to care of the people. So therefore, we have to understand that our needs are supplied by God, and our wants are something that we desire. So this is our new series called Hashtag MyVerse. And if you guys were here last weekend, we asked you to submit your favorite verse. What is your favorite verse in the scriptures? And this series is going to be us preaching from some of the most common and the most loved verses that you guys submitted. Well, today we're going to be talking about trusting the Lord with all our hearts, in all our plans, on all our paths, trusting in the Lord. Because the truth is we all have plans, don't we? We all have plans in our hearts, plans to succeed, plans to build a career, plans to build a family, plans for lunch today, plans on how I'm going to use my gifts to serve God, plans on vacation. We always have plans. Speaking of vacation, uh, some of you guys know Brittany Dean. Uh, She's one of our MCs here. She used to do video MCs. Her tagline was, and that's how Brittany brings it. You guys remember that? Well, that's Brittany Dean, and... um, she shares this great story with me. She said I could share with you guys this morning. But she and her friends decided that they wanted to visit the East Coast and explore the East Coast. So they flew and landed in New Jersey. And one of the places they wanted to explore was Manchester, Vermont, a city called Manchester. So they booked a hotel, the Hilton Garden Inn, um, there in Manchester. And so um, they got all that squared away. And so Brittany was the navigator. She types in Hilton Garden in Manchester into the GPS app, uh, address pops up, she clicks on it, and they're on their way. And uh, What I hear is a pretty smooth ride, and they just made their way, following the directions. Hours and hours and hours later, they ended up at the Hilton Garden Inn in Manchester, Connecticut. <laughs> two states away from the state they were supposed to be in. Apparently, there's two Manchesters, one in Vermont and Connecticut. And that's how Brittany brings it, right? Like, you can trust Brittany. But here's the thing. They had a good plan, but they were on the wrong path. And that path brought them to a place that they had not planned. It's good to have plans. We all have plans in our hearts. But it's the path you're on that will determine the place you end up at. I'll say that again. It's good to have plans But as good as our plans are, it's the path that you're on that will lead you to the place you will go. I believe um, for most of us, you know, we care about paths. We care about finding the right paths. You could could have a plan in your heart to, to get a college degree. But if the path you're on is one of playing rather than studying, one of partying rather than participating, then I'll tell you, you're going to end up in a very different place than you had planned. 
You could, you could have a plan to lose weight. You want to lose weight, but if the path you're on is one of donuts and, and cookies and ice cream, I could tell you you're going to end up, I could show you, and you don't want to see that, right? You'll end up in a very different place than you had planned. And so it's important that we find the right path in order to get to the right place. We care so much about finding that path. How do I know? Well, because the most submitted verse from last week was Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. And it's a passage all about finding the right paths. In fact, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 is a verse that is one of the most commonly searched on Google, on the Bible uh, Gateway app, on the version app, and it's one of the most loved here at South Bay Community Church. Why? Because that matters to us. And here's, here's what Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says. It says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. Solomon wrote that in all his accumulated wisdom, he, he gives us instructions on how to find the right paths in life. So I want to call this message today, I'm calling it, How to Win at Life. I'm going to show you how to win at life. So let's look at it. Let's look at verse 5, starting with the first verse. It says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. Now that word trust in, in, in this context, there's a couple different words for trust in the Hebrew. In this context, it's, it's the idea of just leaning on, putting your weight into, relying on something or someone to carry you. You're, you're trusting that they're going to carry your weight. So I wanted to demonstrate for you guys what it looks like to trust. I want to show you visibly. How many of you guys have ever done a trust fall before? You guys know what a trust fall is? Yeah. I want to show you, in case you've never seen it, uh, Todd is the new guy in our office. He's the, the youth director um, under James. And so I asked Todd, since he had never done it before, to help you guys see what it looks like to trust. So check out Todd doing the trust fall. So we're talking about trust. And the idea in the Hebrew, to trust means to lean on or to fully rely on um, the fact that you're going to be caught and you're going to be carried. Okay, so since Todd is the new guy in the office and he's never done a trust fall, um, Todd, why don't you come up and we're going to show you what a trust fall looks like. Okay, so climb up on here. There you go. All right, it's a little high, so be careful. So close your eyes, hands to your side. This is called a trust fall. So on the count of three, you're just going to fall and just relax and just trust that you're going you're gonna to be okay, okay? Okay. So here we go. Ready? One, two, three. Go! Oh! <laughs> I did not expect that. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I, I, I can assure you no pastors were hurt in the shooting of that video. But Todd, on the other hand, can use your prayers, okay? So if you would pray for Todd, that'd be great. <laughs> no, when it comes to trusting, you could fall in one of two directions. You can actually fall into the hands of the one who is actually trustworthy to carry you or you could fall in another direction, your own direction. And so when Proverbs chapter 3 verse 5 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding, those are two opposing ideas. You either fall and trust in God or you trust in yourself. You either lean into God or you lean into yourself. And so what are, what are you going to do? And I think here we are in church, and if I were to ask you, well, who do you trust in? I'm sure the answers will be, I, I trust in God. 
I trust in Jesus, which is a good church answer, but, but if I can challenge you to stop and really evaluate your life, your day-to-day life, how do, how do you often make your decisions? And I'm willing to bet that for many of us, if we stop to look at how we decide things, we often go on our own understanding, right? That, that for many of us, we'll go with our gut, or some of us will call it uh, trusting in my instinct or following my heart. Solomon calls it leaning on your own understanding. For example, if, if uh, someone came up to you and shared with you, hey, my spouse just cheated on me. And, and they started sharing with you all the details of how they went behind your friend's back and all that. I'm sure a lot of emotions are going to go uh, on in your heart. And then they ask you, what do you think I should do? I'm willing to, to bet that for a lot of us, we're going to speak out of our own understanding. With that anger or that emotion, we're going to say, ditch that woman. Leave that guy. It it says in the Bible it's permissible, and that may be true, but is that the most beneficial in that moment? Like, are you seeking God about this, or are you speaking out of your own understanding? If I were to tell you, I said, hey, I got offered a job, and um, it's going to require me to work 20 more hours than I do. And I'm going to have to work six days. I'll be in the office six days instead of five days like I've been. And on top of all that, I'm going to make 25% less. Hey, what should I do? Like, what are you going to tell me? Don't do it. That's dumb. Don't do it. Well, if I listened and went with your understanding, I'd still be in the oil industry and not a pastor here at the church. True story. And so we we can't always go with our gut and, and follow our own heart. And, and go with what feels right. Here's what Proverbs chapter 14, 12 says. It says this. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. Is that always true? No, it's not always true. This is a proverb. It's a general principle. But basically what it's saying is that sometimes it feels so right in our hearts, but, but it's totally wrong. And it's telling us that God's way It's not always what we normally understand to be the right way. Not according to our understanding. But God is always right. And so the heart-searching question we always have to ask ourselves as we go through life and make decisions and come to uh, the fork in the road is we have to ask ourselves, who am I going to trust? Am I going to trust God or am I going to trust myself? And Solomon says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Trust in in him. Trust in him. Don't automatically assume that your judgment of the situation is right. It could be. It might be. But not necessarily. Sometimes what we understand could really line up with God and and, and in his perfect ways. But sometimes it's not. So, So don't lean on your own understanding. But trust in the Lord with all your heart. So here's the secret to winning at life. It's really not complicated. I'm going to give you the answer right here. Here's the takeaway truth. Here's how you win at life. Ready for this? Trust God more than yourself. That's it. That's that's the message. Trust God more than yourself. It's really not complicated, but, but at the same time, it's really not that easy to live out. Right? Not complicated, but not always so easy. Because a lot of times, people will claim, I want to be led by God, and I want to go God's way, when in, 
in reality, we want to go our own way on our own understanding, and we just want God to fit into our plan. We just want God to somehow fit into our plan. It's like, I'm going to go my way according to my understanding. I hope God will support me and come along with me and, and, and take care of the results. And I want to say that's not trusting in God. That's trusting in you and hoping God will clean up the consequence if it doesn't go right. There's a big difference. For example, let me give you an example of what this looks like for, for those of you guys who are single or even dating. And I'll say this very bluntly. Trusting in God is not going your own way and pursuing someone who is unequally yoked with you. When we say unequally yoked, that's the way the Bible describes having a, a, a relationship, a committed relationship with someone who has different convictions, different faith values than you. Trusting in God is not saying, I'm going to go for someone who's unequally yoked with you and I'm going to pray that God one day changes that person's heart. That's convicting. Can he do it? Yeah, he can do it. I've seen him do that. But is that trusting in God or is that trusting in your own plan and hoping God makes it turn out okay? Because if you trust in God, you'll, you'll see what he says. I have a path for you. Do not be unequally yoked. Do you, tr- do you trust him? For you parents, trusting in God is not prioritizing your kids' activities and their sports because you have dreams for them. You have a desire for your kid and hoping that one day they're going to live for God and put God first and turn out okay. That's trusting in you and your goals and your dreams and hoping God makes it right in the end. That's not trusting in God. Trusting in God is raising your kids in the teaching and instruction of the Lord, according to Ephesians chapter 6. It's seeking first the kingdom and his righteousness and trusting all these things will be added as well, according to Matthew chapter 6. So who, who are you trusting? Are you trusting in God or are you trusting in yourself? It's an easy concept, but it's not... It's, a, it's not a complicated concept, but it's not always easy to live. So how can I live life? How can we make decisions? How can we choose the path where we're living a life of trusting God? Well, I want to challenge you guys today. Before you make that decision and before you make your way, would you aim in the right direction? Would you aim for the right path? Essentially, aim to win at life. What do I mean by aim? Well, it's an acronym I want to share with you guys this morning in hopes that it'll help you make decisions and find the right path. But, but it starts with acknowledging God. Acknowledging God, right? Because the next verse, Proverbs 3, verse 6, tells us this. It says, in all your ways, acknowledge him. Circle that word, acknowledge. And he will make straight your paths. So write this down if you're taking notes for A. Acknowledge God, specifically acknowledge God's omniscience and omnibenevolence. Acknowledge God's omniscience and omnibenevolence. Give you time to write that in. As you write that in, that word for acknowledge, uh, in the Hebrew language, it's to know or to understand or to recognize, to be aware of, of God. And so we need to recognize who God is. Well, what is God? Well, among many things, let me tell you this. He's omniscient, which means he's all-knowing. You can write that in. He's all-knowing, knows all things. Omni is a Latin prefix that means all. But not only is he all-knowing, he's omnibenevolent, which means he is all-good. 
He is perfectly good in all his ways. He's good in all his ways. Speaking of ways, how many of you guys use the Waze app? Any of you guys? Yeah, like I'm totally dependent on the Waze app. Uh, it's a GPS app on the phone. And I, I shared this illustration um, last year. But if you remember, let, let me just remind you, I shared with you this illustration where one morning I wanted to, after I dropped my son off at school, I wanted to go to meet my friend at the beach for a surf, surf session. And I, I, I type in the address, not because I need to know how to get there, because I know how to get there. I just needed to know the ETA so I could text my friend what time I'd be there. So I type it in, and it's telling me I'm going to get there 15 minutes faster than usual. <laughs> like, that's a lie, because it's telling me to go down this path I've never been down before. So I, what do I do? I ignore it, right? Because I know you just shoot down straight PCH. Uh, that's the most direct way, and then you turn left on Rosecrans. That's it. So I ignore it. Well, on a future day after that, I wanted to find the ETA again. So I put in the address just to find out ETA, not directions. And it says, I'm going to get there 15 minutes faster than usual. I'm like, there's no way. There's no way. Telling me to go down these streets I've never heard of. So I ignore it. Because I know how to get, I understand how to get to the beach. I've been there before. And kid you not, true story, a third time, one day I put it in. And it's lying to me again. It's telling me I'm going to be there 15 minutes faster than you. And so that day I decide, you know, in all the other times I've used Waze, it's always been right on time, right on the money. So let's try this. And so I decide to follow its directions and follow its paths. I go down these streets I've never been on before. And I'm kicking myself in the middle of the El Porto parking lot because I got there 15 minutes faster than usual. Why? Because what it was doing was helping me avoid the congestion of PCH on a weekday morning. And it was helping me to avoid all that. And, and what I was saying when I shared that illustration was, who am I to argue with the satellite system, right, that sees the whole picture, that knows the entire map, that knows every path, and his job is designed to give me the best path possible. Like, that's its job. Like, it, it, it's, it's actually seeking my best interest. It's, it'll help me. Waze will actually help me avoid collisions. It'll help me avoid traffic. It'll help me avoid even potholes. It tells you when there's a pothole in the road. <laughs> Waze, I kid you not, it'll tell you when there's a cop ahead of you. When it, tells, when it tells me there's a police like 500 feet ahead, you know what I do? Nothing. Because I'm a pastor, I drive by the rules. You know that. Come on now, right? No, but like it, it's, it's helping me find the best path. It's looking at my best interest. Now, here, here's my point. God is so much higher than the satellite systems, amen? Like he is so much higher. He's just above it all, and he sees every possible path in your life. Why? Because he's omniscient, and he knows every way that you can possibly take. But here's the thing. He's not only omniscient, but he's omnibenevolent, meaning he is perfectly good in all his ways, and he is for you and not against you. And he wants to prescribe for you the best path possible. Like, do you trust that? Do you trust that about God? Because Proverbs 3, verse 6, it, it tells us, it implies God wants to make your path straight. He wants to give you the straightest, the best path possible. Now, here's, here's where trust kicks in. Here's, how, here, here's where we really need to trust God. Because when the scripture says that he wants to straighten your path and put you on a straight path, we also have to understand that that path may not necessarily be the path that we think is ideal. 
It may not necessarily be the path that, that we think brings us happiness. We, we've said this here before because God's priority, when, when we talk about straight path in the Bible, that's opposed to a crooked path. That's an upright path compared to a corrupt path. In other words, God's priority in your life and my life, he wants to lead us on paths of righteousness for his name's sake. That means his greatest priority in your life is not so much to make you happy as much as it is to make you holy. His objective is to make you look like Jesus. And sometimes that path isn't going to be what I dreamt up of. But it is a good and perfect path. So do you trust God enough, though, that he is good to you? And he'll lead you down those paths. And and I'm going to trust him to choose his over mine. Because I'll bet that if you do, and I dare you to, I dare you to trust God and, and take his path because you'll find that he's actually not out to rob you of your joy. That even as you pursue his holiness, you'll find that those are paths that are going to bring you lasting and true, deep happiness. God is for you and, and not against you. For example, let me give you an example. When, when, when God has prescribed for us sex, and he says to you that, that, that sex before marriage, talking to all the single people and all the dating people and all the engaged people, that sex before marriage or sex outside of your current marriage, talking to all the married people, is not God's best for you. That that doesn't bring you joy. Do you trust that or do you lean on your own understanding and say, God's just trying to rob me of my happiness and my pleasure. These rules are so stiff and so suffocating because in this moment, I I know what I need to make me happy right now. Are you going on your own understanding or do you trust that he is for you, not against you? Maybe when he sets up these laws and prescribes prescribes these paths for us, he's, he's maybe trying to protect you from relational despair, from emotional emptiness, from social stigma, from physical disease, from spiritual depravity, from marital brokenness. Maybe he's actually looking out for your best interests. Do you trust him? Do you trust him when in his scriptures he says, it's really good to set aside a day for rest and and worship? Some of, some of us would say, well, that's an Old Testament teaching. It is an Old Testament teaching, but it's a principle he's given us. Do you believe it's good to rest? And that when he, when he says that, he's not trying to rob you of profit. Like he's not trying to hold you back so that your colleagues can advance and make more money than you on the day that you're resting. He's not against you. I love the example of, of Kathy Truitt. Some of you guys know that name who was so committed to trusting in God and not leaning on man's understanding that when he decided to open up Chick-fil-A in 1946, he made a commitment, we're, we're going to reserve a day. We'll only open six days a week, and on that seventh day, I'm going to make sure we're closed, not so that people can do whatever they want, but so that my employees can rest and worship. That was his intention. Why? Because he trusts God and not man's understanding. And, and, and people look at that and they, they think, that's crazy. You're losing tons of profit, especially this past February for the Super Bowl. Biggest Sunday of the year in sports when 71,000 people were going to crowd into Mercedes-Benz Stadium where Chick-fil-A has stands. 
They were so committed to trusting God, they said, no, it's Sunday, we're going to stay closed. And articles like TMZ, where I pulled this uh, picture from, is like, what are they thinking? Why would you close when you have 71,000 hungry people crowding into a stadium? You'll be losing your profits. And I have to be honest, my understanding lines up with the world's understanding. Because if you ask me, they're right, you're, you're going to lose profits. You could make a lot of money if you opened up on that Sunday. And yet, isn't it interesting that though Chick-fil-A opens up only six days a week, it makes more revenue than any other fast food restaurant in the U.S. per, per unit. Even more than the ones that are open 24-7. Last year, it made $4.1 million per restaurant. McDonald's only made $2.5 million per restaurant. KFC, its biggest chicken competitor, only made $1.1 million per restaurant. And so God's not trying to hold you back so you lose out on profits. He's not against you. And so don't take me wrong. I'm not saying this is a formula, that if you close your business on Sundays, you're going to rise to the top and business is going to shoot through the roof. That's not what I'm preaching. I'm saying, isn't this a great example of someone who says, I'm going to trust in the Lord with all my heart. And believe that he is not against me, that he is a good God. He's a good God if I would just follow the path he's prescribed for me. So we start there. Yes, God, I know you're omniscient. You know every path, but not just that. You are omnibenevolent. And the paths you give me are good. They're good. And so I'm going to acknowledge that. But once you acknowledge that, would you now invite him in? Write this down for I. Invite God in. Acknowledging his omnipresence. Invite God in and acknowledge his omnipresence. What does it mean to acknowledge his omnipresence? Well, omnipresence is the fact that he is all present. He's everywhere at all times. He's everywhere at all times. Because when you, when you remember and you acknowledge that, yeah, that, that's true of God. He's everywhere at all times. Then you realize that we have access to almighty God every step of the way like you realize he's able to guide you and counsel you every step of the way because we have access to him through jesus that's incredible but even though he's everywhere at all times i think we have to be real and be honest and say we're not always experiencing his presence that there are times when i'm not aware of his presence in, in, in the biblical language, it's, it's uh, interesting. The Hebrews have a word uh, for presence, and literally, it's the word face. It's the word face, like my face. And that's kind of funny because uh, when, when they say, God, we're seeking your face, we, we know God doesn't have a face. God is spirit, so he doesn't literally have a face. So what, what, what do they mean by that? Well, what they're saying is, God... We want to be in your presence. We want to seek your face. We want to be intimate with you. It's kind of like this. I had to learn it the hard way. Um, I used to be that guy. I hope I'm not anymore. Maybe you know some people like this where I'd be talking to you. I'd be talking to you, Romar, and you're telling me about your day, and I'm like, oh, that's nice, but I'm looking everywhere else. I'm looking over your shoulder. What are they laughing about over there? And who's that person who just walked in the door? And I'm, I'm really, that's funny. That's nice that that happened to you. And I'm looking at, and that's got to be the most annoying thing ever, right? Well, I, I was uh, reminded of probably one of the most sobering moments when I was talking to my friend Andrew. And Andrew was talking to me, and I was right there in front of Andrew, and I was doing that thing. 
I'm looking over his shoulder and look, looking at what everybody's doing around him and I'm trying to have this conversation. And you know what Andrew does? He grabs my face and he pulls it into his. I mean, how rude, right? Like, he's so rude. And he, and he pulls me in and he says, Greg, I'm right here. I'm right here. And what he was telling me is that, yeah, Greg, you're in my presence, but you're not being present. And he was seeking my face. He wanted my attention. He wanted to, to communicate with me. And in the same way, God could be everywhere at all times, but, but do you seek his presence to be aware that he is here with you, to talk with him and to walk with him? In Exodus chapter 33, right, the, the Israelites were promised this this land flowing with milk and honey. God says, I'm going to bring you into the promised land. And he has Moses leading them, but here's the thing. You're not going to get it without your battles. You're going to have to face some battles. There are going to be people who are going to try to stop you. And so, so God gives this incredible promise to Moses. Okay, Exodus 33 verse 2 says this. Here's the promise to Moses. He says, I will send an angel before you, and I will drive out the Canaanites and the Amorites. These are all the enemies. The Hittites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, the Mosquito Bites, the Parasites, and even the most invincible Cellulites. Amen? Can I get an amen? Anything that comes your way and tries to stop you, anything that, that feels impossible to defeat, my angel will go before you. How, how awesome is that? How many of you guys would love a promise from God directly when he tells you you're going to have an angel, a guardian angel to lead your way? How many, guys, how many of you guys would love that? Amen? Yeah. But not for Moses. No, it's not satisfactory for Moses. He says, no. Look at verse 15. He says, God, this is what he says to him. If your presence does not go with me, do not bring us up from here. If your presence does not go, in other words, God, an angel is nice, that's great. But no, if your presence does not come, if you do not come, and we are not aware that you are with us, then I'm not leaving. I'm not budging. We're staying put right here. I need to know that you are with us. If anybody knows that God is everywhere at all times, it's Moses. He knows that. But, but he was seeking something more. I want, I want to be intentional. I want to know you're with me. He was desperate for the presence of God to see his face. So how can we, church, how can we make sure that whatever we do in life, whatever path we take, whatever plan we make, how can we make sure that we're not leaning on our own understanding and going my way, but rather trusting in God? I want to encourage you in everything you do, will you acknowledge him and seek his face? And would you invite him in, welcome him into your activity Welcome him to participate with whatever you have going on that day and say, God, please join me. I don't want to do this without you. I will not go unless you come. I need you, God. Would you invite his presence in? And so, you know, we have to ask ourselves, how, how often do we do that right now? Right? How often do you invite God into your planning and your decisions and your activities? Not too long ago, probably like a couple months ago, we were sitting around a dinner table. Um, I was there, Danny Vong from my life group was there, and some other parents were just talking about parenting. And one of the dads uh, was talking about some challenges that he was having with his son. And 
he was asking us for advice, and so everybody starts chiming in. We're like, well, have you tried this? This is what we do with our kids. Or have you tried disciplining them like this? Or have you tried the reward system? And so we're all kind of chiming in, and, and he's listening. He's like, yeah, I've tried that. I've tried that. tried that. And we're, we're like talking about this for like an hour. And I finally, I finally spoke up. I said, hey, I said to this dad, I said, have you tried praying? I said, have you invited God into your parenting and asked him to give you wisdom and discernment on what to do? Have you asked God to, to work in your, in your son? And I wasn't trying to be judgmental or preach or anything. I, I really meant it. That was my encouragement. He says, he says, no. He's like, I have, but probably not enough. I said, well, that would be my encouragement. Try that. Well, a few weeks later, I'm uh, preparing a message to speak at our men's gathering. And um, I was with Danny Vong, and I was sharing with him this point I got stuck on, I, I had like this writer's block, right? I'm like, there's this point I'm trying to make, but I, I, I'm trying to think of a story or illustration to really drive that home. Would you help me out a little bit? And like all night, just had a writer's block. I'm like, I can't think of anything. I'm all out of stories. And you know what Danny says to me? He goes, did you pray? <laughs> okay, Pastor Danny, preach it, right? Like, <laughs> like okay, you're so good. No, like, I'm like, no. <laughs> Actually, no. I'm like, that's a good point. How often do we forget God and what we do? And, and Solomon says, in all your ways, acknowledge him. In all your ways, in your ministry ways, in your parenting ways, in your learning ways, in your business ways, in your coaching ways, in your sports ways, in all your ways, in your sermon illustration ways, in all your ways, acknowledge him. Stop trying to do things on your own, leaning on your own understanding, trust in God. So will you, church, as you face each day, refuse, like Moses, refuse to go alone. I will not go, God, and insist on and invite in the presence of God. God, please come with me today, this very day, right now. Okay, so we acknowledge God. We invite God in. And finally, would you write this down? Would you move? Would you move with God? Move with God acknowledging his omnipotence. Move with God acknowledging his omnipotence. What is omnipotence? Well, it's the fact that he is all-powerful. He is almighty, perfectly able to do whatever he pleases. So here's the thing. I realize that, you know, there are going to be times you're going to go through life, and sometimes Scripture won't explicitly address that decision you have to make. Like, it's not going to give you a specific answer. And sometimes you'll come to this fork in the road, and either way is a godly path, like, Neither, neither decision is, is one that's inherently foolish or sinful. Like sometimes it's going to be like, should I go to that Bible teaching church or this Bible teaching church? Or should I uh, go on a date with this godly man or that godly man? And so there's no inherently wrong answer. So what do you do? I want to encourage you, if you're acknowledging God and you're inviting God with you, then move. Like choose a path. Choose a path and trust God to be with you that he is powerful, omnipotent, totally able to either affirm you in your decision or redirect you. God is able to do that. Do you trust him? Do you trust him? So going back to this GPS, this, this Waze illustration, um, I told you I use it all the time, and this is what drives my wife nuts about me. Um, this happens almost every time. Like So I'll, I'll type in an address, and we're driving along, and she'll remind me, She'll tell me, 
in 400 feet, turn right. Oh, thank you. Appreciate that. Drive a little bit more. In 300 feet, turn right. Got it. Thank you. In 200 feet, turn I know. Stop interrupting my podcast or the song I'm listening to. How do you guys feel me like I'm trying to listen to whatever I'm listening to? And she keeps cutting it off. In 100 feet, turn right. I know. And then we get to the point, turn right. And guess what happens? Miss it, right? Like, totally miss the turn, miss the exit. That drives my wife crazy. She's like, why do you even use it if you're not going to listen to it? And so I always miss the turn, always miss that exit. But every time I do, guess what Waze does? It automatically goes to work to now recalculate and reroute me and get me back onto the path. Always. It'll always now work to find the next best path to get me to where I need to be. And sometimes it's amazing. Sometimes I don't even lose time on the ETA. Like, I'll still get there on time. I'll get to the right place on time. It's amazing. But it's always reworking to straighten out my path and get me to that destination. You know, as good as, here, as good as I am at getting lost, do you know what I've never been able to get ways to do? I've never been able to get the lady on my ways to say to me when I make a wrong turn. She's never said, I'm sorry, you're hopelessly lost, right? Or, or I'm sorry, you've made a wrong turn and there's no turning back, right? I'm sorry, you should have let your wife drive. Oh, no, no, she better not go there, right? Like, I've never, it's never happened. I've never broke the system. How much higher is God than the, the Waze app? Our God is so omnipotent, so powerful. Do you trust that God is so powerful he can correct a mistake that he is able to redirect us when we've made a wrong turn and bring us onto a path that is straight how many trust that god is so mighty to say that sometimes you feel in life you made a wrong turn and you've fallen off a cliff and there's no coming back up yeah i I need to tell you our god is mighty to save he is omnipotent I love what my friend Kyle said. He, he told me this. He says, you know, you can go 10 steps in the wrong direction, and you're always one step back to Jesus by grace. <laughs> That's so good. In life, I can mess up like 100 times, and one step of grace brings me back to Christ. I mean, if God is so powerful that, that he was able to redirect you when you were heading down a, a path leading to eternal death, and he was able to redirect you to the way, the truth, and the life, and give you eternal life, what path is hard for him? What path can he not correct if he has saved us for eternity? So that it is with that confidence, I want to say to you, church, move with God. If you acknowledge his benevolence, that he is for you and not against you, and you invite him in because he's present at all times, would you move trusting that he is powerful enough to help either affirm you by blessing you and showing you favor and fruit in that decision or redirecting you? Our God's a big God. He can hold that door open. He can hold open doors. And his arms are strong. He knows how to close doors and put roadblocks. Do you trust him? When I was uh, in my final year in college, um, I had a decision I needed to make. There was two guys who I really wanted to just do discipleship with because I felt like I could help bring them closer to Jesus. One was a roommate who wasn't even a believer, 
And then another guy was a guy in my fellowship who was a Christian, but really not walking with the Lord. And I felt like, man, if I just met with each of these guys or one of these guys weekly, I could really encourage them. But I knew because of my schedule, I didn't have time to meet with both of them every week. And so I, I kind of had to choose one and commit. And so I thought to my, I weighed the options. I said, if I, if I meet with this guy, maybe he'll come to know Jesus and be saved. But then that guy might fall through the crack. But then if I help this guy, he already knows Jesus, so maybe I have a better chance at helping him grow with Jesus, but that guy may never get saved. So what do I do? And so I, I looked at my options, and I, and I waited, and I waited, and I waited, and I said, God, you have to, you got to make it clear to me. You got to speak, because I, I was like paralyzed in my indecision. I didn't know what to do. Both lives were at risk, right? By the end of that year, the end of my college year, Guess which guy I got to commit to and bring closer to Jesus? Neither of them. Why? Because I didn't move. I just sat there. God, you got to make this clear to me. I'm not moving till you make it clear. And oh, how I wish I could just go back in time and choose one guy and just commit to it. Because that way I would have at least impacted one person, which is greater than zero. And I, 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 I trust now that if I had chosen one guy and it wasn't the right decision, he could have closed that door and showed me that's not the right one. Go to the next guy. Or yes, this is good. There's fruit in this. You're bringing him closer to Jesus. He's falling in love. But how I wish I just moved and just trusted that our God is powerful and able. He's a big God. So, so here, here's how you win at life. Aim. Aim for the right path. Acknowledge him. Invite him in. And move. Trusting that he can either affirm you or redirect you. In all your ways, aim. Acknowledge, invite, move, and he will make your path straight. So trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not lean on your own understanding. And in all your ways, acknowledge him. And he will make straight your path. Amen? Amen. I want to close. I want to share with you, um, you know, seven years ago, my wife Monica and I, we, we were pretty sure we would have been in Taiwan as missionaries, which isn't a bad thing to do. That's, that's for God's glory, right? And so we thought we were going to be missionaries in Taiwan, and yet God closed that door, and he made it very clear, and he re- redirected our path, and he landed us here at South Bay Community Church in Torrance. And we trusted at the time that this was God's leading and I, I can say with so much confidence, seven years from that time, fast forward to today, we are absolutely sure that God has affirmed that we are right where God wants us. Like God has really placed us here and we've seen the fruit of it. And so I want to share with you, maybe you read it in the Baywatch already or you've heard from someone else, but I'll, I'll be going on a sabbatical. Now that's my seventh year. And so today will be my last weekend for, for the next few months. But I want to share that with you, and I want you to hear it from me because I've already um, had some people express some concern, asking, did something happen? Is something wrong? Are you leaving our church? And I want to say, no, like, things are good. Things are good. We're, we're leaving on a really good note. You know, Pastor Wayne Cordero, uh, he, he, he once said, he says, if, if you're needing a drink of water because you're too thirsty, then it's too late. You're already dehydrated. He says to prevent dehydration, just keep drinking water, even if you don't feel thirsty, and you'll never go thirsty. You'll never get dehydrated, right? And so I've always known as a pastor, I never want to have to go on sabbatical because I've burned out or because I'm just depressed and depleted and I hate 
preaching and I hate people and I just don't want to do it anymore. I don't want to be forced into sabbatical. I always want to do what I can to stay fresh and excited about what God is doing. And so the staff has been so gracious and supportive to, to allow me to go and spend time with my family uh, for this next season so that we can stay excited. And so if there's a way, I'd love to ask for you to pray for me and my family, if you ever remember us, um, to pray for us, that this would be a really refreshing, invigorating, rejuvenating uh, time for us. And if, if, if you don't know how to pray, maybe help us aim. Pray that we would just keep acknowledging God, that he has a perfect plan and perfect path for our family, that that we would keep inviting God in to participate with us through this next season and every activity we, we engage in, and, and that we would just keep moving, moving forward uh, with Jesus every step of the way. And so that, that would be a great way if you guys would pray for us and remember us. And our plan is that when we come back on August 1st, we'll come back so rested that we'll be restless to get back into the game, to, to get back into the community and participate um, in all that God is doing. God's doing great things here. So we're, we're, we're excited to, to be even more excited than we are now. So I'd love for you guys to pray for me. Would you do that? And as we close, I want to pray for you. So would you guys bow your heads? I want to lift you up before the Lord. And so God, we just thank you so much for your word this morning. And you're, you're reminding us that you are a trustworthy God. That we can lean back and lean into you and know that you're going to carry us that you've seen all the days of our lives. They've been preordained by you. You know every path. And you want to lead us on the best possible path, Lord. And so, God, I pray that we would trust you today, starting today. Lord, that in every decision and everything, Lord, that we would acknowledge you, invite you in, and move. And I pray that we would see you do wonders, even when we're walking past that we just did not foresee that we, we never imagined to be ideal. But we trust that you're with us and you're unfolding your goodness in our lives. So God, we, we just continue to worship you and praise you for that very reason. You are so worth it. That's why we sing. That's why we give. That's why we dance. We do this all in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.